Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you today from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton producing... Across the glass for me, and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you? I'm good, buddy. What's happening? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a good day uh, for me. Uh, just doing uh, the things that uh, kind of do every day, you know? So, what, nothing... what like like watching Maury Povich? <laughs> uh, one time many years ago when i lived in california i made the mistake it was a it was a large group setting and i made the mistake of bringing something up that happened on, on povich or or oprah or something i can't remember i referred to it and i, I never heard the end of that jake never heard the end of it after that Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with a little, uh, a little Maury. I, I've told you before my my theory on why I actually liked Jerry Springer. In fact, it was the it was the show that I would watch when I was not feeling particularly good about myself. Have I told you about that? <laughs> Tell because us. no matter what is happening in, in your life, you can turn on that show and go. You know what? I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know, I may I may have just gotten a D on my English exam, but you know what? I'm not that guy. I didn't have my my girlfriend stolen by my identical twin brother. Like you know, I I don't tape trout to my body. Right. No matter what was happening, I, that wasn't me. You know what I mean? I didn't fall in love with my first cousin. Like I, I didn't have those kinds of problems. And it was like, okay, well, I can study a little harder in English. You know, these guys have have a lot a lot to unwind here. And then it always devolved into some sort of fight where the big bald guy would have to keep the peace. Steve. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> and he was always smiling through it too. Now, now stop me here if I'm uh, if this is just legend, urban legend. But Jerry Springer was once like a, a congressman or something. Is that true? I believe. I so. don't know. I think I, he was congressman or something, mayor or something. Something in politics. I don't know. We could Google it. We could we could just knock that out. But. Uh, anyway, that was my my thing with Springer. If I wasn't feeling real great, I could I could flip on that show and be like, I'm all right. I'm going to do okay. okay these these so, people have real problems. I'm fine. <laughs> okay, so let me give you some choices, and you tell me which is the best of the best. Okay. Okay. The Jerry Springer show, which you already brought up. Uh, let's see, Maury Povich, uh, Phil Donahue. That's old school. Uh, let's see. The View. Uh, what else is there? Uh, well, the View is very different from Jerry Springer. Let's. That's Doc, a, well, I know, but I'm just going. How about Doctor Phil? Not a not never got really into the Good Doctor. Ricky Lake. Did you mention Ricky? Uh, no, I did not mention Montel or, or Montel Williams, uh, my good friend. Uh, Wendy Williams. Uh, what else is there? Our, uh, by the way, our boy Scotty G texting the show saying the mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> was it really? Was, yeah, that's that's. What He's I, the mayor of where? Cincinnati. Ugh. How about the Ellen DeGeneres show? Uh, my wife, my wife likes the Ellen show. Um, she's she she's a little different, I think, off camera than she is on camera. According well, that to, seems to, to be various the things, yeah, that seems to be what we hear. 
Uh, her her and, wife, uh, Portia de Rossi, was in one of my all-time favorite television shows. In fact, two of my all-time favorite television shows. I was an Ally McBeal fan back in the day. Oh. But okay. she was amazing in Arrested Development. Have you seen Arrested Development, Gordon? Yes, I've seen just one or two episodes. I've, ne- I've never sat down and watched uh, a season. You should. Wow. I watched a- I watched season one in a night. Yeah, it it pretty amazing. Plus, there's a lot of connective tissue between the the episodes. Yeah. I don't well, know if you can w- just watch one or two. And so you gotta, yeah, I got to go back to the beginning and, and it, watch right. from there. Yeah, and it's funny because it, it, that's a show you can watch over and over again and notice different things. Just because of the, the structure of the show, yeah, you you notice a lot of different things. So it means you're the first time you miss it. You uh, can't yeah, absorb it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's there's just different perspectives because the story's told from so many different points of view. Okay. You are well, kind of the the Job Bluth of of sports talk radio. Don't, don't don't be don't be talking about characters that I don't know. Who Job they is are. by far my favorite character. I mean, leaps and bounds, by far my favorite character. He's a magician. He is a magician. I thought I was like Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson. I'm just sort of the laugh man. <laughs> Where there was a yacht, now there is not. Such, such an amazing show. And Portia de Rossi is really good on it. She's, she's really good on that show. Okay, so which is, uh, which is worse to admit for a guy's guy? All right. Which is worse to admit that you watch Days of Our Lives or As the World Turns or something like that or the Oprah Winfrey show? Is that even on anymore? Does she she has her own show? channel. Yeah. Um, I, you're talking to the wrong guy on this one because I admit to liking all sorts of things people think I'm weird for. So yeah, I don't know. I don't well, care. You're a perfect person to talk to. Though. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, uh, you're talking to somebody who, who planned his his college schedule one semester on around reruns on of nine hundred two one zero. I mean, what? Yeah, I've never told you that story. That no. it, came, it came on like back to back on FX. Uh, this is pre DVR, obviously. Uh, at like eleven in the noon, and so uh, you know, I scheduled the morning classes. And then, <laughs> Scheduled the afternoon for classes. shows you've already seen. Oh, I hadn't so, seen it. Uh, oh, I hadn't it was seen new them all. To you. It was new ah. to me. I was I was running. I was late to the game with nine hundred two one zero. So, were you driving up to campus, or were you? Uh, where were you living? Were you? Uh, I was off campus, but, yeah, I was off yeah. campus, but not far. Okay, so you were jogging back to the house so you could watch that. Not jogging? No, I was driving. <laughs> Shocking! On, I don't. Please. I don't know. Is it? Is it? Uh, have we reached a point where, where, you know, many of our listeners are men? Can 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 men pretty much enjoy whatever they want uh, without having to take crap from their friends anymore? Well, unless it's uh, Lloyd drinking a Hefeweizen, I think uh, everything's everything's. No, you you always find reasons to needle your friends. I mean, I don't think that will ever uh, that will ever go away. But I'm not really ashamed of the entertainment that I consume. I mean, what a dumb thing to be to feel ashamed over. Yeah, I watch Sheriff Callie like it's my job these days. What and is I that? love that show. I've never seen it. Sheriff Callie's Wild West. Is it good? It's not, but it's great <laughs> because the two-year-old will watch nine episodes oh, and I really? feel no guilt because it teaches her things. Okay. It's like it's television like school. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't gotten into that yet. I'll have to write oh, that one. Oh, it's on Disney Plus. I'll have to write It'll that one down. Save your life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sheriff Callie's Wild West. I, I've got to admit, I, I have some children's programming that I prefer over the other, and really I don't prefer any of it, obviously, but when she wants to watch... I prefer some shows over the other. Like I, I genuinely enjoy Sesame Street. Do you? I never and, watched it. And there, she, I mean, it, when hey, what do you do? Let's watch a show. Do, what do what do you want to watch? She never says Sesame Street. I have to. I have to always it sucks. Jake. I always have to suggest like, hey, man, I love that Grover. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 watch watch us a little Sesame Street. All right. Well, hey, was Grover related in any way to the Cookie Monster? Like, were they cousins or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There. 
Grover, I, I never got uh, Grover's last name. I, is is Cookie Monster's last name Monster? It's Cookie Monster Esquire. Yes. So I don't I don't know. Maybe it's their cousins on their mom's side or something. My favorite guy was Oscar the Grouch, of course, as you know. I was wearing his T-shirt. Now, little known fact: the guy that played Big Bird also did the voice of Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, really? How about that? And he got it from a cabbie in New York. Wow. He said, where to, Mac? Really? And so he just went with that. That's funny. Uh, anyway, n- enough about uh, children's now, television. I, I, they, look, or daytime they're, they're, television, look, for that matter. Let's. No, uh, that, that, but that's, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there uh, listening right now who have gotten to know certain shows that they never would have gotten to know otherwise if they didn't have kids, just like your experience. Man, I went, you know, I mean, I had uh, I had five girls. And so we ran the gamut, man. I remember, I remember when my oldest daughter was really young. She liked uh, something. Uh, it was some gnome family, you know, David the gnome or something like that. She really loved it because it was so gentle. And so here I am absorbing all this stuff. And next thing, you know, I never really watched Barney. I, I, I just, I, I, I saw it a little bit, but then I moved on to like. Uh, as my kids got older, Hannah Montana, we watched that. What was the one with the other girl with uh, uh, the, oh, man, what was it? Lizzie McGuire. Remember that? Uh, see, those that? are, I, I remember, that. no, I, exactly. I, I remember those, but I, I can't say that I've watched episodes of those because that, that was in between me being a child and having a child. Um, how about this, Gordon? Uh, Keyboard Warrior on Twitter says, I, I always enjoyed Dog the Bounty Hunter. Now there is a guilty TV show that I, I mean, all these shows like have a formula, right? Dogs was dogs was always the best, where they you know go through you know jump through all these hoops to apprehend this uh, this uh, person who jumped bail, bail, excuse me. But they all ended with uh, the the wife rest her soul because I know she's uh, she's passed. But the wife having a smoke with the person that they just apprehended and talking to them about what they're going to do with their life and a That's, prayer and a and a prayer he, often. His, his catchphrase was, we came in here with prayers and mace and made you get you know, get your life on track. Mace that guy. Bear and mace pray that guy. With him. Uh, yeah, then they, they always get him back to the station. It's always like, how'd you get here, man? How'd you get here? Didn't they use bro? Wasn't it? Or brother, I think, was one of the. Bruh. the, the bruh. How'd you get here, bruh? Because it, it was, was Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, that's right. How'd you, oh, okay. how'd you get here, bruh? Nah. Yeah, do you want to smoke before we, you know, turn you in and you're in jail for a long time? How about we give you a, a, a last minute where we really, you know, soak up a nice, uh, good feeling for our audience before, was, you know, you don't see daylight again for 10 to 15. Never saw it. It's amazing that both you guys have, are, are very familiar with that show. It's, it's a must watch. Well, watch oh. one and you've seen them all, too. Right. <laughs> How about the it's uh, like Spongebob? Bar Rescue. SpongeBob? You know, do you like Spongebob at all? No. No? Uh, oh. How about, uh, what was the one about Raven? Uh, uh, Barry the Raven. <sighs> Quoth the Raven. <laughs> Barry the the Raven of uh, suburban Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was the, well, the mascot was, of the Baltimore Ravens. The day, what was, day in what the, was life. the one from Australia? The one with the, the people that would uh, stand in the and do the goofy things? What was that show called? <laughs> People who would stand what? and do the goofy thing in Australia yeah. from Australia. Yeah. Um, from Australia, the uh, Crocodile Dundee. No, now we got it. I got to get the. I got to get the answer. The to Wiggles. Question. The Wiggles. How Isn't did that I it? grab that? Wow. I don't know. That what was not Australian. Those guys. Everybody used to laugh at those guys. Meanwhile, they were raking in like millions of dollars. Well, yeah. I mean, you know that stupid baby shark song that was actually literally used to torture prisoners in uh, the Midwest somewhere. They got in trouble for that. You you can't uh, you you can't, as Scotty G would say, swing a dead cat without hitting a baby shark something or other. It's incredible how they've marketed that song. I'm not kidding. My my two year old last night I was putting her to sleep, and uh, Whitney and I said the word shark under our breath, and she sat up. From her sleep and said, "Do do 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 do." Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. It's everywhere. You wouldn't believe. You, you know, have you ever seen that? You remember Spaceballs, and they yeah. were doing the merchandising scene. And he's like, "Merchandising, merchandising." That's Baby Shark. 
<laughs> Baby Shark the flamethrower. Uh, just pay attention. <laughs> pay attention next time you go to Target. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And, and and just just look around a little bit, and you'll be like, baby shark, baby shark, baby shark, baby shark. These people are making a fortune off this ridiculous, <laughs> I guess it was a video, right, but song. So if we were going to come up with some sort of kids show, uh, I, I think, you know, we we're not the three to do so. No. Uh, wait, wait, uh-uh. why not? Have you have you seen have you ever seen the show? Have your kids gotten into Octonauts yet? Yeah. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, I mean, the kids. Some of the kids love that show. Here, here's here's why. And, and it is informative, and so I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute. Whoever came up with that is 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 just raking in the box. So why don't the three of us sit down and come up with a kids show that would rake in the box, and now, then Austin would no he would he would no longer be so grouchy all the time. See, see here, I'll, I'll give you a very good reason here in a second. But have you heard of Harlan Williams? Yes. He he was making stoner movies with Dave Chappelle, and now he he writes that Puppy Dog Pals thing on Disney. He's, he's probably worth zillions. But but here's why I wouldn't want to do it. Because we would do it, and we'd put together something we thought was cute, and even if it was successful, 10 years down the line, someone's going to come to us and be like, wow, did you know that, you, that your TV show for kids was turning them into serial killers? And then we get blamed for it and all this. Because, like, you, you watch these kid TV shows, and there's messages in there. Like, and, and you'd hope they'd be used for learning or something like that. You know, it'd be like, remember that one episode we wrote that uh, was about, uh, you know, uh, uh, buckling in your car seat? Well, you're, <laughs> you created a generation of carjackers or something like that. I don't know. Oh, man. Seems like a really? stretch, Jake. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. it sure does. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be a problem for us. That episode about we're... stranger danger? Now they're all the dangerous strangers. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I'd be worried about. Like, some that's not how it or happens. like some sort of, uh, you know, no, that's not. How no. Or uh-uh. well, remember how Pokemon was giving kids seizures, like something like some <laughs> sort of weird byproduct. You don't remember that controversy? Google that one. That seems no, weird. Look, look, Jake, we could find some middle ground uh, where we could make it fun, make it funny, make it uh, captivating for kids. And, uh, and and maybe teach a good lesson along the way. What I don't like is all the brattiness on some of these shows that I've watched either when my kids were growing up or with the grandkids. They, I mean, these kids that are, that are kind of mean, really mean to each other. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And, and have you noticed how the dad is always the dumb one? I, I don't know what's going on with that either. But anyway. Uh, December 16th, 1997. A Pokemon episode. The episode contained repetitive visual effects that induced photosensitive epileptic seizures. Wow. In a substantial number of Japanese viewers. There. You guys didn't believe me. I told did you. Did they get sued? I'm sure they did. It says it went on a four month hiatus. Yeah, they took a break for a minute. You know what? <clears throat> We're going to re examine the direction of the show. Probably a good move. <laughs> We're going to get with creative. And we're going to figure out something else because this this uh, is probably not good. Mm. <laughs> All right. well, I think we could I think we could come up with something that would make the kids laugh, that would keep them entertained, and then of course parents love that. They love it when they're when their kids are entertained and informed at the same time. I think we can do it. I think uh, let's sit down and and come up with something. All right, we really do have a lot to do today that uh, does not necessarily involve children's television. Um, Larry Scott was on Hatch's station down in Vegas, Gordon, and uh, he, he, he mounted a defense. And it kind of contradicts a lot of the reporting that uh, we've talked about from John Canzano. So we're going to do, do a little exercise. In fact, we'll dive into it coming up next. We'll, we'll, what Larry says versus what John says. Cause, wow, this ought to be good. Yeah, it, it should be informative. So make sure and, and stay tuned for that. Is it one of those deals where all our listeners are going to have to sit down and decide who to believe? Probably. Um, we'll have what's going on at the top 3 o'clock hours, so stay tuned for that. Sam Amick at 4 and Ashley Adams- Adamson, speaking of the Pac-12 Network, she will join us at uh, 5 o'clock. So we have a very, very busy show. And, Gordon, you seem to be in a lively mood today, so who knows what we're going to get. Well, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm eager to get at it. Oh, good. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today is Stevie Wonder, selected by Gordon and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, check them out online at livenation.com. I like the selection today, Gordon. Never a, never a bad day to have Stevie Wonder. Yeah, we haven't had Stevie as our Band of the Day for quite some time. Uh, so why not? I mean, it's good stuff. I'm trying to think. I, I saw, who was it? I saw Ben Harper do a cover of Superstition once, which I thought was a a really interesting person to have a take on that song. Anyway, not that anybody cares about that. Uh, I'll tell you, though, I like it when uh, artists, when accomplished artists do covers of other artists. Oh, love love covers. I'm with you. I absolutely love covers. All right. Let's get into our split story, though, because there's a lot to to dig into here, and it all goes along with uh, topics uh, that we've really been talking and you've been writing about uh, for for weeks, if not months now, Gordon. Um, uh, Larry Scott went on KTAR down there in Phoenix, a station we know well because uh, uh, an alumna alumni of the zone uh, is uh, running the ship down there, Ryan Hatch. And uh, they had Larry on and, and really they, they pressed him pretty good on some things. And so uh, we'll, we'll compare some of his cuts to what John Canzano uh, told us on this show from the Oregonian. And we can try to figure out what's uh, what's what here, but here's Larry on KTAR in Phoenix talking about how money is being spent. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, our guest here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Here's a couple of, of the more sensitive issues I want to run by, if you don't mind. Uh, number one, the money issue. There's a perception that the Pac-12 has become very wasteful, very top-heavy with the rent that you guys pay in the Bay Area, with bonuses that you awarded before the layoffs. How do you respond to all of that? Do you think the conference has been wasteful? I don't. No, I think there's a perception out there that's just incorrect. Uh, in my view, um, I think what people have a tough time uh, comparing apples to apples is the other conferences that have conferences and also have their own networks. Their networks are all run by outside entities, so they don't have the head count. They don't have they don't have rent. Uh, they don't have other things. But folks don't seem to be able to make that distinction. Um, and, uh, you know, so as a result, when people look at the Pac-12, we've got 200 people that work for the Pac-12 networks and, you know, the uh, the office space and the technology and everything that goes with that, people kind of lump together. So, um, you know, we're also based in San Francisco. Uh, if you look where some of the other conferences are based, they're in, they're in different markets. And that decision to be in the Bay Area certainly preceded me. So there are some, there are some differences, um, but we benchmark ourselves every year against the other conferences, against other networks. We've got a rigorous process we go through with our finance committee made up of university presidents and university chief financial officers. And, um, you know, I'm very confident that we're pursuing the mission and the mandate on behalf of our members in, uh, at a high level um, in an efficient way. All right. There's Larry, notice, our boy notice Larry. How he did, notice how he did not uh, address the bonus thing. I mean, that, that Convenient. was Convenient. Yeah, that was <laughs> – I hear he's laying people off and, and furloughing people, and he cashes in his bonus. I, I, I don't know. He he wouldn't. He didn't touch that. At least he didn't in that clip. I don't know if there's anything else where he does. Well, and the overhead argument was was stupid as well because uh, one, they should have partnered uh, with a with a broadcast network to begin with. Uh, or done everything they could because that was the the smart thing to do as opposed to build a TV station from scratch, which is which is just nuts. But I mean to say, oh, the decision to be in the bay the Bay Area predated me. Well, Gordon, there's there's living in Salt Lake, and you know uh, there are different parts of this valley, right? That that uh, and there's there's a difference between uh, being right downtown and being in North Salt Lake. Right. Even though they're only a couple miles away, you know, there's a there's a big difference there. I mean, San Francisco, they're in the they're on the uh, the most expensive part of the most expensive city in the country. And let me ask this. How long has Larry Scott been commissioner? It's been over 10 years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just because they were in San Francisco didn't mean especially that part of it, as you described. Doesn't mean they had to stay there, right? Right. I don't know. When they signed the original lease on that property, was it a 10-year deal? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, let's hear what Canzano had to say on the on the subject, uh, Gordon, and All then right. we can kind of chew on it more. Larry Scott, the conference commissioner, if you give him credit for anything, I mean, he's just done a really good job of negotiating his own deal. He's got control of the bonuses. <laughs> so when he bonused himself out and before he laid off and furloughed people, it was, you know, he didn't need approval from the presidents and chancellors to do that. That was already in the fiscal budget. So, you know, he's he's out now. He's making rounds on radio shows across the Pac-12 footprint, and he's changing the narrative a little bit. He's saying, well, the decision to be in the Bay Area was made before I was hired. And it's true. They were in Walnut Creek with their headquarters. But for people who know the Bay Area, there's a big difference between downtown San Francisco in Walnut Creek or Fremont or Sunnyvale. When Google decided to put its campus in the Bay Area, they didn't go to downtown San Francisco. They couldn't afford it. They went to Milpitas and Sunnyvale, you know, 30 to 40 miles away from there where they could afford the real estate. And it's, it's, the Pac-12 should not be doing things that Google doesn't think are good for business. Did Larry Scott ever pay back that loan for his house? No. He still owes $1.9 million, has not made a single payment conference gave him the loan interest-free when it hired him he positioned that as well i'm going to have to live in the bay area i'm going to need a loan for my home he you know he saw that as a cost right and so he you know he can't say that he didn't recognize the cost of being in the bay area he chose a home on uh, four acres in blackhawk it's a community that is upscale in danville got a private airstrip next to it He's living nice, and he's got a $1.9 million home that he purchased when he was hired that's now worth about $600,000 more than what he paid for it. So there's a nice little bonus that he'll get on the end. Good good to be Larry Scott, uh, Gordon. Uh, you heard him mention the, the Bay Area thing, which is exactly what uh, Larry said on the, on the Phoenix station. I... They have more overhead than other conferences, Gordon, and that's you know going back to a decision 10 years ago that they actually may not have had if nobody was interested in partnering with them. Uh, but it, that, that's more of an argument to run a lean ship than, than to just spend away, in my opinion. Yes, yes, I agree 100%. It's fun. You know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of this. Uh, this this deal where people are asked questions and they don't answer them, you know, they change it to something else. And I wish he would address that, how he hoodwinked or how he backstabbed, really, the, those those employees of the conference uh, to his advantage. I, I he didn't answer that question and I want an answer to it. Well, I mean, this is this is nothing new for Larry Scott Gordon. You've been in plenty of those press conferences. This is what he does all the time. Yep. At at the Pac-12 Media Day, I think it was it was either last year or two years ago when he was when he was asked like, "Hey, why why is football sucking?" And the, we joked about this uh, yesterday. He points at all the other sports that they're doing fine in and saying, "Oh, see, things are fine." And it's like, no, no, <laughs> that conference of champions. Yeah, right. And yeah. it's like, that's not answering the question at all. But he, but, he never does that. I mean, he, he really doesn't. Let me ask you a question, because you were captain of the Skyline debate team, right? Were you captain? Uh, I guess you could call me a captain, I suppose. Okay. So I heard somebody say that a real art to debate is changing the answer to the question that you're asked into what it is you want to say. Is that true? And is that really the most effective way to debate? Well, I, I mean, there are entire books written on the most effective ways to debate, so I don't, I don't know if I could, could answer you that. I mean, it's a tactic to take. I, I don't think But does that score points? It, it seems like a, if, if some, someone is actually judging what is happening, they can sniff that out in a second, can't they? Uh, it depends on who you're talking to, and and what message you're you're trying to get out there. I mean, it, it, are you trying to? I mean, if you're asking me about politics, like, are you trying to fan the flames with your base, or are you trying to persuade hearts and minds? I mean, I there, there are two the, different, very there are two very different goals. Right, and I so it it depends on on who you're actually trying to reach. If you're actually trying to to score points in a uh, you know competitive debate. I never shy away from the point. Now you may pivot or alter or or change direction 
uh, that you want the narrative to go. But I, I, my particular style was running and hiding was never a, a good way to go. And that seems like, the, the, yeah, if you're trying to impress a judge, then, yeah, you you have to answer the question. But but uh, he doesn't maybe, want to answer the question. Yeah, he, he doesn't, I mean, he's not trying to win a debate. He's not trying to do any of that. He's trying to sell what he has. It's And it's a... Um, it might not be great, but he's going to go out there and he's going to sell it. He's not. I, he's he's trying to. Uh, he, it's not debate. It's PR, and he's right. not particularly good at it. Yeah, I I understand all that. I just I'm telling you, I would have so much respect for him if he addressed every point he was asked, even the tough ones. This is one of the things I used to like about Bronco Mendenhall. Because when he was coach at BYU, especially early on, we used to ask him direct questions about some mistake he made. And he would admit if he made a mistake on many occasions. I, I was standing right there when I heard him say it. He actually looked forward to the tough questions. And I had respect for that, unlike what I'm hearing these days and certainly from Larry Scott there. Well, I, Bronco won, had answers, and Bronco had a good thing going at BYU, even when he made mistakes. He could probably tell that. Uh, Larry, you're not going to like the answers, so he's not going to tell you the answers. Well, that's because his answer is, yeah, I wanted the money. Right. And I didn't so, care about So, it, you know what, if I were Larry Scott, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that answer either. That's a loser for him. Uh, Okay, but hopefully everyone knows that, and hopefully the presidents know that. Oh, the presidents know that. Now, your your average fan? I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, seems like it's pretty easy to understand, and he should be held accountable for that. What else did he say? But wait, real quick before we move on. I mean, it, it, you should you say he should be held accountable to that. Well, if he continues the narrative of there's nothing to be held accountable for, <laughs> that worked for him as opposed to oh yeah, man, I just I I I, I put in a gold plated swimming pool, man. No, <laughs> nobody nobody actually, nobody wants to hear that answer. Yeah, uh, but Jake, I would respect him more. If he said, who doesn't want an extra $2 million or whatever it was, you know, I mean, who, who doesn't want that? If he would at least address it honestly, uh, I, I just can't stand this avoidance complex. Well, I mean, he's not out to earn your respect, unfortunately. I think he's out to put a couple more mil in his pocket before he gets asked to leave <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's probably the other part of it. Do uh, Austin, do we have time to do another one? Or you want to do another one right around the corner? You want to do one more? All right. Uh, here's Larry uh, on KTAR talking about his job security. All right. There's also a, a, a adjacent speculation, if you will, that, that maybe Uranus Pac-12 commissioner is coming to an end. What, what do you think about those rumors? Do they hamper your ability uh, to do your job? Do you feel like you've lost support of your bosses? Not at all. No. I know, uh, look, there's a lot of rumor and speculation, and that just goes with the territory in a very public-facing role. Um, and it's true of commissioners in, in other leagues as well. So it goes with the territory. I've been in commissioner roles for a couple of decades now at the Pac-12 and before, so I understand it goes with the territory. But, um, no, it has not been a factor at all in uh, my ongoing work for the Pac-12 and my relationship with our board. All right, there's uh, Larry's comment on it. Let's now hear John Canzano from The Oregonian from our show the other day. He's positioned himself now as, look, I'm not the czar. I'm not in charge here. And if you listen to him talk, you know, he's talking about a lot of decisions that were made collectively. And I'm just more or less he's acting as if he were the spokesperson. But we know that's not the act that a good commissioner Cast in the Big Twelve with Bob, you know Bill Bowlesby and and in the SEC with Greg Sankey, you've got leaders who uh, care a lot about the campuses, who spend a lot of time on those campuses, who understand those campuses. Larry Scott's contract is up in the summer of 2022. I believe that the commissioner will be uh, probably out of work uh, sometime next spring. I think they have to move on him before the negotiations for the media rights deals begin, and those rights deals begin in 2024. So you have to give yourself uh, sort of a lead-up in there. And he's going to say, 
you know, I'm just following the directives of the chancellors and the presidents. But what the Pac-12 needed was real leadership. He just hasn't brought it. I think the next commissioner will be a correction for that. It'll be somebody very tied to campuses, somebody who's got experience leading conferences. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Pac-12 go after a Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12 and try to bring him back. You know, he started at Stanford. So I think there's some opportunities there for the presidents and chancellors to, to fix this and get it right. See, I think this is where John really hits the nail on the head. And, and really his contrast to Larry Scott's answer is, is really, really interesting because I don't know if people notice this stuff. But, yeah, Larry has, oh, i just uh, excited to work with these presidents and chancellors. And even right down to his uh, press conferences involving the COVID-19 situation where he's on those – uh, it, it's not like I'm Larry Scott and I'm taking the bull by the horns. It's, oh, uh, let's talk to this athletic director and let's talk to, to this expert right here where it's not, you know, it's it's almost like he's passing the buck when I think John's really right. The, the, the job requires real leadership. My experience with Larry Scott in asking him questions, he Rome is burning and he doesn't even, uh, he, he doesn't acknowledge it, you know. And that's that was, reminded me of that when I heard that he said that he's he's not in hot water at all with his bosses. Uh, the way he described it, it sounds like they love him. Well, there's no way that's, that's true. Well, it, he's got new bosses. These aren't. There's only two left of the bosses that hired him. So, you know, I, I would guess that he's not. There's no way he could be on as firm a footing as he has been in the past. There's no way that's true. Well, I don't think I don't know how you can look at the evidence, look at the results, and be happy with it. But he—it's the same tune. It's the same tune that John is describing there. You ask him a question, and he's not grounded in reality. Remarkable. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's not the way that I would try to save my job. I mean, I, I would definitely try to make a, a more commanding presence. And as opposed to worrying so much about the blame, I'd concentrate on what we're going to do now. But that that's something Larry's done throughout his, his tenure. John uh, told us the other day about a good buddy of his that they've given over a million dollars to to consult him on PR matters. I mean, right. he's, he's really concerned about the narrative, right down to interference one way or another in, in how the league is covered. Uh, was it at the L.A. Times where they tried to basically buy a yes. beat writer yeah. uh, and, you know, right down to, to giving John all this access so that he'd, he'd come down and write a fa- favorable column about how great they are? You know, right. it's it. He's so worried about that part of the job that he's he's not doing the job. The job requires somebody to to lead it strongly in one way or another because you're herding cats. It's like Football Friday with Alema and Mac. Your 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 whole job is to coordinate twelve different universities. I mean that's that's hard stuff. Even even the the uh, the walking hairdo Craig Thompson never passed the buck to the presidents and chancellors. He took a lot of heat, but he never hid behind anybody. I get back to what John said. You got to be strong, and you got to be strong in leadership, not in crying about defending yourself or trying to spin. The truth into some sort of favorable public relations. Oh, okay. That's not that's not strength. No, look at the problems that the conference is facing, and be smart enough, have the acumen to put solutions in place. Yeah, you know, I'll give Craig Thompson in hindsight, given all these years later, I'll, I'll give Craig Thompson a lot of credit. He came on this radio station a lot during the Mountain Network days. And he would he would come on and he would face the music and he would try to give you the best answer he could. Maybe it wasn't what what you wanted to hear necessarily, but he was never full of it. Never felt like he was trying to sell it. He right. had a tough job, but he never hid from it. Because at that point, Gordon, and you know this, Salt Lake was the belly of the beast for the Mountain West Conference. It was the biggest market. It had two of the big name schools, and it was the it was kind of the the centerpiece. And so he came right into the you know right into face the music. Tough questions from the the great Gordon Monson. And in hindsight, I, I admire him a little bit more than I did at uh, when it was transpiring. And let me add to that. Private conversations with Craig, he would be very open and honest. And uh, I can't see Larry Scott ever reaching that point. 
Want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333, Action Plumbing. And by the way, I know that San Diego is a bigger market than Salt Lake City, but in the old Mountain West days, Gordon, what was the care factor for San Diego State? Uh, Zero? Let me, say it, let me say it this way. I was down there for games covering the Utes and the Cougars. And I remember before one game, we were at uh, the old Jack Murphy Stadium, whatever they were calling it at the time, Qualcomm or whatever. And it was 10 minutes before kickoff. And there was nobody, hardly anybody in the stadium. Yeah. All right. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. And there is another Larry and then Kenzano cut that we, we do want to get to. Uh, let's tease that, Gordon, for coming up at 3.30 so we have plenty of time to uh, to dig into it. So if you want to hear uh, kind of the final clip we're going to dive into, it's uh, talk specifically about issues involving the Pac-12 network. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up at 3.30. We do have some basketball news of the day we will get to next. What's going on at 3? It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We'll get uh, to what's going on coming up next. But a couple pieces of NBA news we need to get to today. Gordon uh, came out this morning. Rockets general manager Daryl Morey is stepping down. Which I love it when they say stepping down to, you know, was it, was he, uh, you know, was, was it nice or what? I mean, you know, he was asked to step down. He's, uh, he's, I thought uh, that Fertitta said not that long ago that he's, his job was safe. Is that the, <laughs> uh, is that the doomsday scenario when you hear that, you know, you're in trouble? As usual. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that wasn't good. I, I just, this is, this is really fascinating to me. Just, he got. He was the one who kind of kicked up the situation with uh, with uh, the NBA and Hong Kong, and that's an ongoing yeah. that's an ongoing saga. I would hope that has nothing to do with it. I really would. I I really think it's the case of we. How many times uh, we see this all the time, Gordon? A, a new owner comes in, and uh, they get along with the, the the established staff and those things for a little while, but eventually the new owner is going to put his his own people or the people he wants in there. I mean, we saw it with uh, with RSL here locally, right? So we're we're seeing it eventually with the Clippers now with Steve Ballmer as he's uh, you know moved Doc Rivers out the door. So it's it's not an uncommon story, but he is somebody who's fairly respected across the board. Yes, yes. Uh, well, okay, well, starting with Houston, what do you think? Okay, so Raphael Stone, uh, who was VP of Basketball Operations, has taken Maury's job now, and uh, apparently Maury is going to work as uh, an advisor, uh, certainly through the coaching search and whatnot, and there are rumors that Jeff Van Gundy, who interviewed on Wednesday uh, with the Rockets, is – is a is a, is a real candidate for that job. Uh, I I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, maybe they feel like they need an established sort of old guard name to come in and and try to coach James Harden. I I I don't know. When we talked with Locke yesterday, he's talking about all these up and coming coaches who are deep into analytics and uh, young and fresh faces and all that stuff. And that's not Jeff Van Gunny. <laughs> no. But maybe maybe they feel like a coach who doesn't have some degree of heft to him would come into that situation and get steamrolled. Well, that's not Ty Lue either, and he got the Clipper job today. That's that's the the other piece of news. But to your point, Gordon, I I I don't think Jeff Van Gundy's the right fit because I don't think you can have an old school coach coach James Harden because your game plan with James Harden has to be give him the ball as much as he wants. That's it. I mean, that that's what Mike D'Antoni – Mike D'Antoni totally changed what he – his philosophy of offensive basketball. Mike D'Antoni, the shooting seven seconds or less guy, 
change changed his style to be James. You just do whatever. So, Dribble so, it out for 21 seconds. I don't care. I mean, that's think, that's what you're going to have to do. We we just talked in the last segment about leadership and how it's sometimes needed. What you're suggesting here is that the coach has to be a yes man to your star player. Yep. I don't think they have a choice in Houston. Uh, maybe they think Jeff could step in and and find a way to talk some sense into James Harden. Do you want to score a bunch of points or do you want to win championships? Now, the only if 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 Jeff Van Gundy could somehow come in and make James Harden play defense, now that could be a game changer. Maybe that's what they're looking for because um, offensively, I mean, he's one of the most skilled and I hate watching him play. And I got to say this and Locke talks about it all the time. He's one of the most skilled offensive basketball players the game has ever seen. Sure. So, it's you know, is it a bad philosophy to have the ball in the hands of one of the best offensive basketball players we've ever seen? I mean, is that is that a, a losing philosophy? I don't know. But well, it depends on if you want to talk about philosophies. Do you do you, as you said? Do you hand the ball over to him and let him dominate, or do you remind him that it's a team game? Remember, James Harden he compiles a lot of assists too. He just wants to control things where he wants to be the gatekeeper as far as either I'm going to shoot or I'm going to determine who's going to shoot. Yeah, the, the modern assist, the the meaning has changed. Because there used to be this stat we all looked at, you know, and envisioned John Stockton, this selfless player who was setting everybody up. Well, he's still setting everybody up, but it's in a much different type of way. Well, It's a much not, more selfish type of way. That, that's why with what the Jazz do that I appreciate as, as an observer of basketball is the pass before the pass that becomes the assist. You know, Where, what kind of credit does that guy get for moving the ball properly? Yeah. Well, in, in Houston's case, it's all right. You're going to have to use your whole team to guard James Harden. Because he's that good, so all five players are going to have to guard James Harden, and so the other guys, you got, they have to make open shots, and they'll get a ton of open shots, and that's what they've made a living on. If James Harden doesn't get the points himself, uh, they have to have three guys guarding him, so somebody's going to be open. And, and hey, it sounds pretty good, right? I don't like watching it, but it sounds pretty good. But the problem is, he's he's such a one-sided player and kind of weird in a doggy nature on defense too. Um, it's it's. And it's tough to surround him with teammates because if you do that philosophy, Gordon, your teammates don't really matter all that much, right? If you surround him with a bunch of talent, but he doesn't pass to it or doesn't take advantage of that talent, what's the point of that talent being there? That's why I don't think we've seen. That's why I don't think we've seen their record really go up or down all that much over the past few years. Man, they were they were so close when they when they lost that series to the Warriors. They were so close. Could not get it done, and so now it blows apart. Stan Van Gundy, as we talked about noted yesterday, apparently he's a strong finalist for the Pelicans job. Both the Van Gundy brothers back coaching again? Here's here's what I think Locke was getting out yesterday, and I think he's right on the money. Uh, The NBA is like Hollywood, where there's not a new idea, and they just keep reheating the same crappy movies. You know, they keep let, like, let's change it around. And uh, and, and this time uh, we'll do it this way. This time uh, Clark Griswold will be played by uh, the dude from The Office. <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, Beverly D'Angelo's role is going to be played by Christina Applegate. Man, this is going to be a great movie. And then everybody's surprised when it's not. How, how do these NBA teams hire the same handful of coaches over and over and over again? Well, that's exactly what they're doing. Tom Thibodeau hired. J- Billy Donovan hired. Ty Lue. Uh, Ty Lue, uh, Doc Rivers. They're all just changing chairs. <laughs> and the NBA has always done it to a certain extent. And even with so much success of, and, and Locke listed him off yesterday, uh, Nick Nurse, Quinn Snyder, Brad Stevens, um, Kyle, who else did he have on the list? He had four or five guys that uh, that were kind of went through a different process to get their head coaching job, and uh, and it's had, had a bunch of success. On that? No, he I, he I tried he... to. He, he was trying to talk himself into Coach Bud, but Coach Bud had a had the job in Atlanta. So, um, but I, I'm. I'm not surprised by the Ty Lue hire, except for why did it take so long? I mean, he's already on staff there, and if they really wanted him, they could have made that move, you know, weeks ago. I always found that fascinating when guys are already part of the organization 
and then you off the head guy, and then you you promote a guy whose whose wisdom had already been utilized somewhat unsuccessfully within the program. Now maybe maybe the voice wasn't loud enough, and maybe he can have that voice and express it better w- without being in the shadow of of Doc. But uh, I don't know if you have an asset and you get rid of somebody is that is that addition by subtraction well no we've we've seen it go both ways uh right and actually this plays into another little bit of news um because nick nurse uh took over there in uh, toronto and won a title right uh he was on staff there before bronco mendenhall was on staff under gary croton and that Mm -hmm. that worked out pretty well but dave yeager uh, got hired today. He's going to be assistant coach in Philadelphia under Doc Rivers. All I got to say is watch your back, Doc. Because remember how well uh, <laughs> it went for, uh, was it Lionel Hollins for having Dave so. Yeager as his number one assistant? Talk about an assistant coach that submarined his boss. That was well, that was I, ugly. Remember our boy Barry Hecker told that story, and it was like, wow, because Barry was on staff there. I have I have heard that tale time and time again where a head coach uh, is paranoid, always suspicious of his assistants, that they're out to get them, that they can't trust them. I, I don't know. If, would you hire somebody you couldn't trust? Uh, well, Lionel Hollins did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'd try not to, but you never know. You know, that'd be like Nobody goes one. into a job. Nobody goes into a job and be like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm the right man for the job. And the minute your back's turned, I'm going right for yours. I don't think that that anybody would ever bring that up in an interview. Well, that's like you and you and uh, you and I uh, loving to have Austin as our producer, and, and we were suspicious that he was going to sabotage us somehow. I'm su- suspicious of that every day. Why are you still suspicious? <laughs> I've been pretty upfront that I will. That's what's happening. <laughs> If I were you, I'd pay up uh, on that dinner bet, which Austin still hasn't paid up on his incriminating audio. Not my fault. Oh, I right. know. Well, we need to do that today. You guys thought yeah, the movie zone absolutely. was yesterday. I yeah, we care, did huh? think the movie zone was oh, yesterday. Oh, let's Tonight, do that. He, it's Are we going to make him say Mike Trout sucks? I think we should. It's something simple like that. Uh, I like that. All right. Uh, think I love about donuts it. or something. We'll get to more coming up next. That's kind of funny. You got me. Uh We've got what's going on. We'll check in with DJ and PK, Hanson Scotty as well, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.